Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hope you are doing well, staying safe, and being healthy out there. And I don't know if you can tell... But I'm a little bit excited. I always come in here with the excitement, but a little bit more today. A little bit more following the Super Bowl. Because on this episode of the podcast, I mean, you guys are in store for a treat, by the way. We are going to be sitting down with the Athletics' very own beat writer for the Minnesota Twins, Dan Hayes. You're going to love it. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to talk to Dan. But... Before we get to all that, that isn't the only reason why I'm excited, guys. That isn't the only reason why I'm excited. The reason why I am excited is because, like I mentioned, this is the first podcast post-Super Bowl. And all of you that know me well, love baseball, passion for the pastime. That is my true passion. But love football also. Love being a fan, 49ers. My team made it last year. Blew it. The team that was in there that beat us last year was rooting against them. And the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, Tampa is popping right now. Because what? They had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. Shout out to Tom Brady, who is by far the GOAT. I don't think that it's it can be argued any other way. But that's for my football podcast. You guys can go ahead and check that out. Two-point conversation. A little, little plug there. <laughs> but... When we're, when we're talking about the Super Bowl, and we're talking about Tom Brady, and we're talking about the Bucks, Tampa just, in general, has a sports culture now? <laughs> because they had the Tampa Bay Rays make it to the World Series last year. They had the Tampa Bay Lightning win the bubble Stanley Cup. It's, it's getting interesting down there in Tampa. I, I gotta have somebody on from Tampa. We gotta, we gotta talk some Tampa sports. <laughs> but, uh, so pretty much... Why I'm so excited is not because the Bucks won. It's not because the Chiefs lost. It's not because Tom Brady is now considered the GOAT and it'll never go away. It's, not, it's none of those reasons. The reason I'm excited. The Super Bowl's over. Do you understand what that means? Because when that happens, yes, it's a changing of the seasons. Football season's over. Some people are depressed. More people uh, that love football more than baseball or any other sports. Let me just tell you what that signifies for me when the Super Bowl is over. We got spring training right around the corner, baby. (laughs) That's what I think about. That's what I, I turn a negative into a positive real quick. I wish I could show you guys how to how to do that more often. Take a take a neg- what is it? Uh, make make a lemonade out of lemons, or or whatever. Or when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. God, I butchered that. <laughs> ah. But yeah, you got to think on the bright side, guys. We are just weeks, not even weeks. We are about a week away from spring training commencing. Of pitchers and catchers reporting, February seventeenth for most teams. Then shortly after that, you get the first workouts. I am excited. And I, and I think a lot, of, a lot of teams are excited as well. I mean, 
we're getting ready to play 162. Forget about that 60-game season, right? It was fun. It was enjoyable. But there's nothing like 162. The next question for me is, when, when can I get back into the stands? When can I go back to, uh, to the ballpark to see some of these games live? Because we have some of the, the health and safety protocols being thrown out there. Speaking of the Twins, because we're going to be talking to Dan Hayes here coming up next. But speaking of the Twins, I mean, they're already talking about allowing fans in the stands at spring training. I don't know if it's the same thing because obviously the Twins play in Florida. Nice weather down there in Florida. I don't know how it is in Arizona. I don't know what the plan is moving forward. There's a lot of unknowns right now at this moment in time. Even being that it's a week away. But the Players Association and MLB, they came to an agreement. They uh, they agreed to continue the seven-inning doubleheaders. Talk about that with Dan Hayes. And they also uh, are keeping the extra innings man on second base. I know a lot of people didn't like either of those last year. I didn't really, I, I didn't, I didn't not like it. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just whatever. It, it is what it is. It's baseball. Whenever I'm watching baseball, I, you know, I don't, I don't, it's not, it's not crazy. It's not crazy to me. Also, more developments. We're going to be talking with Dan Hayes again uh, about all of this, but more developments on the baseball because that's always been a topic of conversation. And are they juiced? Are they not? Well, now they're deadening the ball. We'll get into all of that. We'll get into all of that because uh, there's a lot to, to get into outside of talking about the Minnesota Twins, who are slowly being forgotten. In the AL Central, which is a little weird because this is a team that, didn't they win the division last year? <laughs> I'm just saying. Did they lose a lot of pieces? I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to put it all together. I'm trying to put it all together as to, yeah, you, get, you, you always hop on that hype train. Like everyone is hopping on the train of the White Sox right now. They are the hottest team out there, the most... Uh, you know, the, the sexy pick, I guess, in the in the AL Central. Young team sprinkled in with a, with a little bit of veterans. They went and got Liam Hendricks. I mean, they, they have a lot of upcoming stars and stars that, that have emerged over the last couple of years on the south side. And then you sprinkle in uh, Tony La Russa. You know, it, it makes it a very sexy pick for the, for the AL Central. But don't sleep on the Twins, guys. The Twins, I mean, I feel like we got to put some respect on their name. Like, seriously. <laughs> that, that's why I got Dan Hayes coming on here. We got to put some respect on their name. He has to help me out with that because the, everyone is talking about the White Sox. No one is talking about the Twins like that. Even when you look at the odds in Vegas, no one is, is liking the Twins to that magnitude of what they're liking with the White Sox. So it's going to be a really fun race in the Central. And, I mean, the, the Twins, d don't be surprised. We had some uh, projected, projected standings coming out today, this morning. And let me just say, wasn't the White Sox winning the division. So <laughs> don't be surprised. But we're going to talk about all this 
with Dan Hayes of The Athletic, beat writer for the Minnesota Twins. We're going to get into all that. Kenta Maeda, what to expect from him after seeing what he did in 60 games. What's he going to do in 162? Some rookies, some prospects to look forward to in the Twins system, Twins organization. We got a lot to get into. So without further ado, we are going to sit down and speak with Dan Hayes. You guys are in store for a treat, let me just tell you. We have Dan Hayes of The Athletic coming up next. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. And welcome back to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. I'm your host, Walter. Now we're going to get into it. I hope you guys are ready. Hope you're excited. We're still talking AL Central here, but we're switching over to the Minnesota Twins, who I believe we need to get some respect on their name. And to help me do just that, I have a very special guest, beat writer for the Athletic Minnesota, for the Minnesota Twins. I have Dan Hayes. Dan, how you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Really quick, before we talk about some baseball, I see on there that you, you are a Uber driver extraordinaire. Have you driven Uber? Yeah. Are you still doing that? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I did it for about uh, three months. I was in between jobs, uh, between the White Sox and the Twins, and just bored, you know, and just had nothing going on and wanted to keep my mind occupied. And so I did like, uh, I think, I want to say it was probably 200 rides over over a month and maybe it was, maybe it was five, six weeks, uh, right around the holidays, um, in 2017. And, uh, it was fun. Like it was, it was really, it was different. It was cool to keep my interview skills sharp, which is kind of funny. That's, that's what my big takeaway from it was, was, you know, I mean, you live in Chicago and you have literally people from across the world. And it was really cool to talk to people and just interview them. You know, sometimes it's tourists, sometimes it's locals, but I always would hear a different story and, and um, just to hear people talk and obviously not everybody wants to talk in their Uber, but uh, it was, it was fun experience. And uh, um, two things, I have a 5.0 uh, rating. I never got a bad rating. I don't know how that happened. That, that has to be a statistical anomaly. But the other thing, the more important stat was nobody ever threw up in my, uh, my Uber, which I, I feel like that was a, a huge win that nobody ever puked in my car because it was my personal car. And man, I did not want to worry about getting that smell out if someone was uh, drunk and puked. So <laughs> yeah, man. yeah. Uh, the Uber stories are, are, are pretty insane. And just, you know, the, the I, I actually enjoy when, uh, when my Uber driver, uh, when I have taken Uber, when they talk. So I feel like we would have gotten along just fine. Uh, I probably would have told you to circle the block a couple of times to, to, <laughs> to finish off a conversation. Um, but, but yeah, do you have any crazy stories? Like the craziest story that you have as a hmm. driver? Um, I, nothing was too crazy. Um, I, the one part, the one part, yeah, you know, honestly, there weren't many. I, the, the weirdest one was I, I found, and I can't believe I didn't get knocked down. Uh, I still got a 5.0 for that rating too. I was on the wrong side of the road. Um, oh although it, it was, it was a really quiet, small street and uh it looked like it was one way but it was like six in the morning i was taking this couple to vegas and i went for about a half a block down the wrong side of the road honestly there weren't too many crazy crazy stories i i you know um day drinking is a big thing around the holidays here and i picked up some girls who were going to uh 
SantaCon and, okay. and uh, we got stuck in traffic for 45 minutes. Um, and so I was driving him to O'Hare and it may have even been longer. It may have been like an hour and 15 minutes. Um, hearing these girls describing going to SantaCon in New York and being, not knowing at the time what SantaCon was and not realizing that thousands and thousands of drunk people get dressed up in Mr. and Mrs. Claus clothes and basically go out and party in New York. Um, I'm guessing that was removed by the pandemic this year. I'm guessing people didn't do that this year, but, uh, that, you know, at the time, um, I had no idea what it was. And so hearing these two girls kind of hammered in my vehicle on the way to the airport was pretty funny. Um, uh, but nothing, nothing crazy. Cause I didn't do a lot of late nights. I did mostly daytime commuters. I, I got the boring crowd, uh, but you know, some cool stories mixed in here and there and that kind of thing. Yeah, that that's awesome, man. Uh, the the story of I'm sure you could do like a podcast or write a book on uh, Uber <laughs> drivers for sure. That that needs to be uh, be in the making. But for sure, let, let's uh, let's get into some baseball talk, man. You're in uh, Minnesota, right? Are you are you do you live in Minnesota? Uh, no, I commute actually from Chicago. I uh, okay. I grew up out I grew up out there, and then I went to San Diego State. And when I moved from San Diego to Chicago for a job, I kind of decided that was going to be the last time I moved unless I moved back to California. Um, and it, you know, so every week if the twins are at home, I go up for a week and I, I rent a room from, uh, friends up there and, and then come back to Chicago. So it's a little bit transient of a lifestyle, but, uh, I, I love Chicago enough that I want to stay here. How much of an adjustment was it for you? Just still talking about you a little bit, then we'll get into the baseball. How, <laughs> yeah. how, how much of an adjustment was it? Um, from going from California to that, that portion of the country. I'm just curious. Um, you were talking to someone who, let's see. So I went to San Diego State. Uh, I'm looking up the temperature as we talk right now. Uh, it's currently 12 degrees uh, where I live right now. And this, this next, um, let's see, our, our high temperature for any time in the next like two weeks uh, is 21 degrees next Wednesday. So, um, <clears throat> it's a little bit of an adjustment, <laughs> um, that, that part sucks. And it's usually why I like going to spring training is it gets me away from, uh, the cold weather, but I'll tell you what, um, if you, you can always dress warmer and, and I think, um, if you have the mindset that the cold doesn't get you, you can get out non pandemic times, obviously. Um, but don't let it slow you down get out and do stuff anyways. And if you can do that, uh, you know, it's a pretty amazing town. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's Chicago, New York, L.A., San Francisco. Uh, those cities are like the center of the world where everything comes to it. Every movie's there. Every concert comes there. And uh, every type of food seems to be there. And so I wouldn't trade that. Um, I loved San Diego. and I spent like 12 years there. But, man, I, uh, I would not trade. I, I, I like Chicago even more so. It's uh, it's become home, even though the weather absolutely sucks. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Dan Hayes of the Athletic Beak Writer for the Minnesota Twins. Let's get into some baseball talk, man. MLB and the Players Association they have uh, reached an agreement as of I believe yesterday. Um, and really, what I wanted to get into was the seven innings uh, double headers and placing a runner on second base. That's something that they agreed upon uh, within that agreement. What are your takeaway from from that, you know, being added to the game? Are you a, a, 
against it? Do you want to get rid of it? Or, or you, do you understand it? Like, what what uh, is your take on those uh, parameters of the agreement? Okay, let me let me make it clear that this is going to be my fifteenth season. Um, so this is reporter me talking, not fan me. I love seven inning doubleheaders. Uh, doubleheaders are quite possibly the worst day on a reporter's schedule because you know you're going to be at the ballpark for minimum 12 hours. And I had one in 2013 where it was the White Sox on their way to 99 losses uh, playing in Philly two days before the All-Star break. Um, the Friday night uh, series opener had rained out, so we got a doubleheader on Saturday. And the Friday night, um, I think we got out relatively early. Like they, they called it quick enough. But the White Sox had made a trade at midnight that night because uh, they were about to blow it up. And so it was already like everybody was exhausted getting there. And then we had like a 14-hour experience at the ballpark. I think the game-winning hit of game two happened at one thirty-five or 2.35 in the morning. I can't remember, but it was awful either way. Uh, there have been rain delays in the games, in between games, in the middle of game one. It was just one of those days, those stretches that you hate, absolutely hate. Um, so... In that regard, seven inning double headers for the win, a hundred percent. I'll take them every time. Um, I actually think that baseball is better with seven inning double headers. Anyways, you know it, it's for the health and safety of uh, players. I, I, there's just so many innings to cover, and I know, you know, the rub some dirt on it older crowd that remembers double headers happening all the time over 162 games. Um, probably love double headers. I actually enjoyed when they were back to back when they didn't kick you out of the ballpark. Um, but obviously that just doesn't happen anymore where the, the teams want the, the gate. And so they kick everyone out and there's no continuous double headers. It's always just uh, three hours apart and it's a long day. So I'm, I'm for that. The, the runner on second, again, as a reporter whose life revolves around being at the ballpark, it's not terrible. Um, it's not terrible knowing there might be an outcome sooner than later without the game dragging all night. But I've also been to uh, some long games that had amazing results. Um, the one thing I really like about that is that the rule reverts in the postseason. You know, I mean, I, I, I think all the leagues have kind of taken – hockey is a great uh, example. You know, hockey in the postseason goes, you'll see three overtime games. And um, it keeps going until there's a real winner. But in the regular season, hockey does the shootout eventually. And I think that that's, that's great just for wear and tear and not dragging it out. Um, it's the league saying, look, we, we realize that there's a lot of stress on players, especially now with the with coronavirus still here and going around and going to wreak havoc again. I mean, you look at NBA and NHL right now, it's, it's impossible to think that baseball is going to get through unscathed. Um, without some major issues. So the league being proactive in that way is a good thing. For the fan, I don't know. I mean, it, it really did provide some interesting uh, strategy last year, and I do like that part. I think that the game could use more strategy. Like, do you bunt immediately and get that runner to third? You know, obviously we, we are in a sports world where the percentages dominate everything, and bunting normally is uh, – usually frowned upon but at that point you're kind of trying to play for a run and it you know it, it really changes things around and i do like that because um i grew up a giants fan and i i am a huge fan of the double switch um and i i really 
appreciated that side of baseball. And I've been covering the American League since 2012 now, and I miss it. And I think that that's one window back into strategy um, that makes it a little more interesting rather than just, you know, the cookie cutter games that the American League plays. So it, you know, maybe in that regard as a fan, I do like it, but I, I can understand where people are, um, you know, a little conflicted about it. And baseball seems like it's changed so many things these last couple of years that it's, uh, it's understandable where people might be disturbed by some of these rule changes. And, and so I, you know, as much as I enjoy them, um, I don't take issue with people who don't. Now you talk about changes and you talk about uh, the pandemic, right? This is mainly a, a, a result of the pandemic of COVID-19 with the uh, seven inning double headers. Is this expected to be a permanent change or is this going to go away as soon as things kind of start to trickle back to normal? I, I think that we will see the universal DH next year um, forever. I think next, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the double headers stay the same. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the runner on second stays the same again, because they, they know they're going to switch back if it's the postseason, And it's probably done in the interest of preserving players and keeping players healthy. And the one thing that's really good about that is MLB recognizing how important it is to keep its stars on the field and not have guys get injured. And that's why I think that we will see the DH. They don't want to have pitchers hurt. And, you know, it's not a ton of pitchers over the years, but occasionally a big name pops up and they got hurt running the bases and then they're out for two months and that kind of thing. I, I get where uh, baseball is trying to protect its, its interests. There's a lot of money invested in these guys. Um, frankly, they should be able to swing a bat, but we've gotten away from that. And, and so if we've gotten away from it, you can't really kind of uh, keep those players going it just, just out of tradition. If players are getting away from it, I mean, some of the at-bats from pitchers can be embarrassing, are embarrassing. Uh, it's going to be fun to see some some guys that just don't care go up there this year and keep the bat in the shoulder. You see it enough. You see it you know, once every couple of games where the pitcher just has zero interest in it. And in that regard, it, you know, it's, it's non-competitive. It's kind of boring. But um, it, so, I, you know, I, I think these rule changes probably stick around and we'll have some new ones added. Uh, it just seems to me that baseball is trying anything to, you know, in, inject some life into it. And I thought last year the expanded playoffs actually did that because, you know, my dad's still a huge Giants fan. The fact that they were in the race until the last week right. definitely kept him interested in a team that, frankly, in a different year would have been out of it and selling at the, the deadline and would have punted the last couple months. And um, But they had a different team that, somehow figure out how to hit at AT&T Park. I'm still, or Oracle Park, whatever it is now. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how that actually happened for the Giants last year where there was a, a real offense going at, at home. It was kind of entertaining and interesting. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that in general, these ideas are there to spawn interest and debate. And I thought that that worked a little bit last year. I think people paid some attention to it and it was healthy for the product. And, and if you want to experiment and try things out, uh, that's good because baseball needs some help without question going forward. Um, and I know that, you know, at least they're trying to be proactive and that's not terrible. 
Yeah, so, so uh, you know, they're trying to make changes, alterations. Have you seen what's going on with uh, with the baseballs? They're making some, uh, some adjustments there. A report came out, I believe, yesterday. Do you think that that's good or bad for the game? Because apparently I, I, it's supposed to, uh, you know, reduce some some home run numbers. Yeah, dead in the baseball. And honestly, I, I think that one's not good. I, I don't like that at all just because we're, we're in an era that's dominated by pitching and home runs right now. And, and I get it. I get the claims. You know, I know Justin Verlander was very um, pointed on this topic and to the point where MLB basically asked him to, to quiet down a little bit, um, you know, because he has a point. There were a lot of home runs given up, and there's a lot of a, a surreal amount of home runs being allowed. And so I get it. You're a pitcher. You're frustrated by that kind of thing. It's your livelihood. But the fact is, is that pitching is so far ahead of hitting right now that taking away home runs, I don't know. It just seems kind of counterproductive to me, uh, to the sport. I, I don't want more pitching duels. Um, you know, if it's six, five, a lot with, you know, four home runs a game and 20 strikeouts, it is what it is. But I don't know that deadening the baseball, uh, a week before spring training is, uh, is really the way to go. Um, it's going to be, I if the ball is dead this year, it, we're going to see drop-offs in offensive numbers and more boring games. And, and I don't think the sport needs that. If, if there's a lowering of the mound that comes with it, um, okay, you know, that that's possible. If, but, but are they going to do anything to harm the pitchers with this? Because that's what concerns me. If they're making the ball more dense and, and harder to hit out and as it is, we're already seeing ridiculous strikeout numbers. And if baseball is trying to get the game to go back to more, put the ball in play, move runners around, bunt, you know, I get that. Um, the game can be more exciting uh, when there is more athleticism being displayed and, and actual skills rather than just trying to power the ball out of the ballpark. But fans seem to like home runs, and you're going to take that away. I, I don't know that I get that strategy. Well, and then when you look at the Twins, I mean that's that's been their game the yeah. the, the the home run. <laughs> you know how 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 would this uh, deadening of the, of the ball affect the Twins' power numbers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean Nelson Cruz is uh, is purely there to hit home runs, although he has proven to be a really good hitter. And you know, I think he's hit, I think it's three oh eight over the last two seasons with the Twins, um, along with the ability to crush the baseball. But yeah, this was the Bomba squad. And that was their MO in 2019. And they were supposed to be that last year, and then guys got hurt, and they fell off a little bit. Um, it directly will affect them. The one thing that they've done that, that is good to counteract that is they picked up Andrelton Simmons and put him at shortstop, and, and that should significantly increase their defense. And I think that they're going to be a very good defensive team, which will in turn save their pitchers a lot. So. You know, I think that they can they can manage that. Um, but when you look at the White Sox and the, the Twins, two teams who primarily hit a lot of home runs, it could have a huge impact on the, the pennant race uh, in the AL Central. And should be um, it should be interesting to document. Uh, I still think you know in the summer you get the U.S. Cellular guaranteed rate field, whatever it is in, in Chicago. Those guys are going to hit a lot of home runs. They have some big dudes in the middle of that lineup and and they're gonna be fun to watch but um yeah it's it just it, it's it really is a interesting decision to spring on teams 
right before the season as opposed to prior to the season when maybe they can plan for it. Yeah, the, the AL Central is definitely intriguing uh, with the White Sox kind of re- resurging. And, and uh, a lot of people are, are picking them as favorites to win the Central. But hold on there. I mean, the Twins did just win it last year, <laughs> right? So should, yeah. every, should everybody uh, dial it back a little bit here? Oh, yeah, they definitely should. Um, you know, the Twins have had a – the White Sox had a really good offseason to start. And I mean, you look and they, you know, they went out and they traded for Lance Lynn to give them some much needed uh, rotation depth. I, I love that move for them. Um, he's someone that seemed like a fit for the Twins too, but you know, the Rangers wanted a lot. The Twins didn't want to pay a lot. The White Sox gave up a possible or a starter in Dane Dunning, a guy who has pitched already to Major League level and had a little bit of success. Um, so it was, it was a big price to pay for one year of a guy that will give you 200 innings. But then you go out and the, the White Sox added Adam Eaton back into the lineup. That was a, a solid move, not a great move uh, because there, there are other outfielders that could have helped them too. But he's a good defender. He gets on base. And he should be good in that lineup. And But the obviously their biggest move was adding Liam Hendricks on the three- or four-year deal, depending on what the White Sox want to do for $54 million. And that was a, a banner move for them. Uh, they have a really good bullpen, and I understand why that then made them sort of like these favorites in the American League. But, you know, the Twins, as of January 20th, had $2 million in free agency moves added. And since then, they signed J.A. Happ as their number four in the rotation. He's not sexy, but he wins, and he's consistent, and he gets on the mound. Uh, they went out and they added uh, – they brought back Nelson Cruz, which was huge. Um, they they added Alex Colomay, who was the White Sox closer last year, and he won't do what he did last year when he had an 081 ERA um, and 12 saves in 21 games. But he is a really good pitcher, and, and he slots well into their bullpen. They now have a, a good, deep bullpen again, which – which is critical, and, and of course they added Andrelton Simmons, which, you know, according to their interior uh, projections, they think that's adding one and a half to two and a half wins above replacement just because of their infield defense alone. They're sliding Jorge Polanco from shortstop to second base, where they expect he'll be better. He was average to below average as a shortstop defensively, but a really good hitter when he's on, and that's what made him a 2019 All-Star. Now he's at second base, and, and he grew up playing second base. So they're really excited about that possibility. This is a very good, sound team. You know, I mean, you look at it, they have elite defense in center field with Byron Buxton. They have elite defense in right field with Max Kepler. Elite defense at third base with Josh Donaldson. Elite defense at second base with or uh, shortstop with Andrelton Simmons. They think that Polanco is going to be above average to good at second, um, and their catchers are strong. So. When you think about a team that can catch the ball like that, you know, you look across the bay, Oakland is a team that was had done a lot of great things at the corners. I mean, you, you look at Olsen and Chapman and how much they're just vacuumed and how, how much that helps a team. And I, I think that the Twins have figured out a way to affect that run differential where they're very much a contender for this thing. I mean, they have a really good rotation. Uh, Kenta Maeda came over last year and was the AL Cy Young runner-up. Um, Jose Barrios figure out how to put it together in the second half and be his consistent self. And Michael Pineda has been nothing but good for the Twins since he came over. Uh, he was suspended in the middle of it, missed a lot of time, but he came back and impacted the pennant race down the stretch after missing most of the season. So um, I, I think that when you look at that group, 
there's a lot of good going on there. And they've won the division twice in a row. So they know how to do it. And the White Sox still have to prove that. The the big question for me, I mean, you bring up uh, Kenta Maeda. He had a fantastic year uh, last season, finished second in the Cy Young, as you mentioned. Kenta Maeda, is, what, what can you expect or what are you planning on seeing from a 162? Because over the longevity of a season, because that's always been the question, especially with some of these young teams uh, that excelled last year, like the White Sox, right, is how does that translate to 162 uh, being with Kenta Maeda? You know, he hasn't ever pitched over 200, uh, over 200 right. innings. Yeah, well, the Twins, they, they do two things really well. Um, Rocco Baldelli, their manager, is a big believer in rest and recovery. Basically, it's the three R's, rest, recovery, and Rocco. Um, they, they, they take care of their guys, and, and I think that that's something that will really benefit Kenta Maeda. Um, you know, extra days off here or there. They know that they have to, the 162 is going to, from jumping from 60 to 162, that's going to be a huge deal for a lot of players and, and their bodies. And I, you know, they always have a plan for how to help their guys. And so it wouldn't stun me at all to see at times a sixth guy inserted into a rotation to give everyone an extra day or skip a turn or anything like that. But also they're not big believers in going deep into games with their pitchers. So we're going to see a lot of times where Kenta Maeda goes two times through the road, uh, through the lineup maybe two and a half times, uh, potentially a third, but they know the numbers get worse for him the later he goes in the games. And so he might be a, a five, six inning guy, and then they turn it over to the bullpen, which is why they want deeper bullpens. And and so if, if that's the case, I think that kind of management can really help guys, and, and it has proven to help guys in the past. Uh, you look at Jake Odorizzi and what he did in 2019 with the, uh, with the Twins. You know, he... he uh, was healthy again, and they managed him from going through that, that offense a third time. And he's an all-star for the first time in his career and had a great season. And um, they're, they're very good at, at planning this stuff out. Wes Johnson, their pitching coach, has good plans, individual plans. And the, the Twins, because of all this, have focused on depth. And I think that that will be something that helps them get through the season is adding guys. You look at last year's rotation, and – it was really fortunate with the ramp up, the quick ramp up in summer that they had signed all these extra guys, but they had signed Rich Hill. They had signed Homer Bailey. And essentially they had seven guys who were ready to contribute to the major league starting rotation last year. Um, and if they have that again, and they're going to get some non-roster invitees before camp opens, um, they're going to be fine because they're going to have plenty of coverage to, to get their guys through and manage them and not worry about workloads and, that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it really benefited them last year because Rich Hill was hurt because Homer Bailey ended up getting hurt. Jake Odorizzi only made three starts and they had to go to the opener a few times and, and turn to Matt Whistler, who now is with the giants. And, um, they just know how to move around these things. And I think that that should help Kenta Maeda in the long run for sure. And they're really excited about seeing what he can do because his strikeout numbers went up last year. They pushed him to use his slider even more. He did so with amazing effects and, and had a really good season. And I think they think that he can he won't replicate what he did, but they do believe that he can do a lot. We're talking with Dan Hayes of the Athletic Beat Writer for the Minnesota Twins. Before I let you go, Dan, uh, you know, spring training right around the corner and 
the Twins plan to allow fans at spring training. So that's a little bit of exciting. Um, so when you look at the prospects coming in for their first and second years, what which ones do you think that the fans in Minnesota um, attending these games, who do you think that they should be looking out for? Well, there's there's two things. One thing that's really cool, uh, their AAA team is now St. Paul, which is right across the river from Minnesota. So even if these if fans don't get a chance to see them in spring training, um, the, the Saints have these crazy uh, crowds. They are they were the darlings of independent baseball. Um, they'd have pillow fights in games, food fights in games, that kind of stuff. That that's now the Triple A team, which is which is really cool. So a lot of these guys will get a chance to be seen locally. But that being said, um, Alex Kirloff should start this year. It'll probably be about twenty games in um, that they'll bring him up from the minor leagues and, and play him. Um, he's a really good bat. He should be a lot of fun to watch. He just has a, a really good presence at the plate for a younger guy. Um, Royce Lewis, California, Southern California kid is, is on the way. He's not quite there yet. You know, he only has 150 at bats above high A. Uh, so he might still be a little bit away, but he's extremely talented across the board and continues to learn. And I think that, you know, whether it's shortstop or center field, he has a really good future ahead of him. Um, they have a couple pitchers. Yoan Duran is really electric. I think they could see him make an impact at the major league level this year. Jordan Balazovic also could be. Um, but the Twins have a really deep farm system that maybe isn't um, star-laden, but is more just heavy with potential major leaguers. So there's going to be a lot of guys that just contribute and come up out of nowhere and contribute. And I think that that part is um, what makes a good team. You know, when you get, uh, when you can count on your eighth guy in the minors uh, to come up and contribute out, that helps a lot towards, you know, getting you through seasons. And we've seen it the last two years. Randy Dobnak is now the, the leading candidate to be their number five guy. He's also a fellow Uber driver like me. And uh, he, um, you know, came from independent baseball and rose up through the minor leagues. And he's just a ground ball specialist and a, a guy with a, really go get him attitude who knows how to get his teammates incorporated. He's come up and thrown 75 innings, you know, three years ago, he was an in independent baseball. He is a three twelve ERA over the first 75 innings of his career. And whether he can sustain that, I don't know, but you still got those contributions over the last two years. And those are key to winning those divisions. And, and that's what the twins have is they have a bunch of guys like that who can come out of nowhere and uh, help. And I think that's a, the uh, sign of a very healthy farm system. I'm telling you, Diaries of an Uber Driver podcast. You, you need to get <laughs> oh, started on he that. He and I man. did one. We, we uh, so formerly at The Athletic, we had a, a really cool um, podcast called Puck It. We'll do it live. Uh, to, <laughs> it was a little, a little Bill, Bill uh, O'Reilly humor right there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, um, <clears throat> I talked to Randy Dobnak at Fenway. It was like maybe, three weeks in to his career and we just talked Uber uh, for a half hour and it was great. And his experience, he got more drunk fans than, than our drunk uh, riders than I did. Um, but it was, it was definitely fun to talk to him about it. So, uh, and, and share and compare stories. 
Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I uh, look forward to hearing from you maybe later in the year uh, to find out what's going on with the Twins. Maybe some more Uber stories if you get back into that. Uh, I'll I'll be excited for that. And, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on, man. And you you heading out to spring training? It's it's in about uh, 10 days, I think. Yeah, I I think I am, and I think I'm driving to Florida, and I should probably turn the Uber on for that to try and make some money while I go. But with the pandemic and all, I'll probably avoid doing that. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I think I think we're driving down. That's how up in the air things are right now. With right. everybody is still trying to figure it out. But I'm I'm like eighty percent sure that I'm going for three weeks, and it'll be nice to get some warm weather. Yeah, well, take care. Enjoy spring training. Enjoy the Twins this year. Should be a fun, exciting race over there in the Central. And thanks for coming on, Dan. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Walter. And again, that was Dan Hayes, Minnesota Twins beat writer for The Athletic Minnesota. You can go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter at MLB to get all your news on the Minnesota Twins and baseball. So, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It was fun talking with Dan. But, you guys, have a good one. Be safe. And next podcast, we will be talking with senior writer of The Athletic, Andy McCullough, to talk some Dodgers, talk some baseball. So, you guys, have a good one. Be safe. Talk to you next time.